Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to welcome all of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you tuned in today. You're hearing the program live today. And we also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on our other syndicated station, which is Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay, but that means we would love for you to call in still, and you'll have the opportunity then to tune in one week from now and hear yourself on the air. So uh, we would love to hear from you. We, we tend to get a lot of calls from uh, those of you on, on Hope FM, uh, but we'd love to hear from those of you on Truth FM as well. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That number once again is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. We also want to give a big hello to everybody who listens online. We know there's so many of you who listen on the mobile app or just right on the website. If you haven't done that yet, um, we encourage you to do that. Definitely go get the mobile app, and that way. When you're on the go or when, maybe when you're at home, I know this is how we do it at my house because we don't actually have a radio in our house anymore. So when we want to listen to the radio, we actually use our phones. And so what we do is we download that mobile app. So if you just go to your app store, you can just type in the search bar Grace FM and it should pull it right up. You download that onto your phone and then you'll be able to listen over the Internet anywhere you are in the world to this program and all the other great programs here on Grace FM. And you can always go to our website, gracefm.com, and you can click the button to listen live there on uh, gracefm.com. So we encourage you to do that, and just however you've tuned in today, we're so glad that you're with us. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you would like counsel about. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. So definitely give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, hopefully answer some of your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. And we definitely love to pray for you. The number to call once again is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is always a good time to call in if you've been wanting to get on the air because here at the beginning of the show we tend to have a little buffer as uh, calls start to come in and so it's a great time if you've been 
wanting to call in with your question about the Bible or your prayer request, we would love for you to do that. Give us a call, the number 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And you can again text us at 720-336-0897. Um, just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm your host here uh, every Monday on Calvary Live. And um, yeah, so I, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. I've been here for coming up on seven years. It's actually March of uh, 2012 that I moved to Colorado. I moved here from Eastern Europe, but um, I'm originally American. So I, I grew up in Colorado. I became a Christian in uh Wheat Ridge, actually, in uh, actually maybe is Arvada. It's hard to tell where those lines are sometimes. So I grew up in Arvada, and I went to went to high school in Arvada. And it was during my high school years that a friend uh, led me to the Lord. I had some foundation in the Lord already, uh, having grown up Lutheran. Um, but then it was really through a friend of mine that I was challenged to give my life to the Lord. And uh, when I was 18, I moved to Hungary, and I lived there for 10 years as a missionary and church planter. And um, the reason I'm telling you that is to tell you that I just came back from that region of the world and tell you a few things about that. But before I do that, let me just tell you one other thing about myself. So I moved here uh, seven years ago uh, to take over Whitefields Community Church as the lead pastor here. And um, hey, if you are in the Longmont, Colorado area, I would love to invite you personally to join us for church on Sunday. Maybe you, if you don't live in the Longmont area, maybe you know someone who does. We'd love it if you would send them our way so they could worship with us. We have a, a great church, great um, community. I remember when I was a missionary, I used to come back and visit lots of churches, um, trying to raise support and just speak at different places. And I remember coming to Whitefields, the church that I now pastor, and it always struck me like, wow, this is the kind of church that I would want to be a part of if I ever moved back to the U.S., and uh, eventually the Lord led us back here, and he led me, uh, you know, we got a phone call from Whitefields, and they asked if I would come and be their senior pastor. And um, I was so excited because I just love the heart of these people. And it's been a pleasure and a joy um, ministering here for the last seven years and just being the pastor of these people. Um, I would say that our church, just they're people who have just an incredible heart for the Word of God, just incredibly receptive hearts and incredibly gracious people. And so... Excuse me, I'm struggling with uh, just getting over the flu, so I'm hitting the cough button quite a bit here. Um, but yeah, so uh, I've been pastoring at Whitefields for the last seven years. Uh, God's doing a really great work. We would love for you to be a part of it if you're in Longmont or the surrounding area and you're looking for a church to attend or a Bible uh, church that focuses on the Word of God and is Christ-centered and Bible-centered. We would love to have you join us. Our church meets at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. It's right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. That's Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Streets, which is just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is right downtown. So we're right on the corner of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. Uh, so yeah, just the northwest corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak, 700 Longs Peak Avenue, and you can find directions and all that good stuff at whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every day here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m., where we have our sermons cut for the radio, and our program is called Life in the Field, which is an allusion to how we live our lives 
on God's mission field. And so we'd love for you to tune in for that. And we're also on on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So if for some reason you're not in church on Sunday morning or you can't be, do tune in to Grace FM and you can uh, hear our Bible study at that time. Let's go to our first caller. We've got Desiree uh, in Thornton, Colorado. Hi, Desiree. Welcome to the program. Hi, Desiree. Are you there? Hello? Um, hello? Hi. Hi. Um, sorry about that. Uh, sure. No problem. What's up? You hear me? Yep. Oh, I was... It's kind of hard because in my house, um, I'm a believer and my kids are a believer, but my husband, he's a non-believer. Mm-hmm. And um, we are talking about, like, when we pass away, and if you make it to heaven, out of the body, present to God, and you just don't understand. He believes that, um, just don't believe in, believes in all this weird stuff, aliens and all this stuff, but um, kind of hard to explain to him. Cause I pray that someday he would surrender but um, I believe if somebody's talking to the dead, they're probably talking to a demon. I don't believe it's anybody that we have known. And yeah. Yeah, so could I share with you what the Bible says about that topic? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that the whole practice of speaking to the dead, you know, is definitely condemned in the Old Testament. Um, you know, the word medium is used, like in Leviticus 20. Uh, in Deuteronomy 18, it talks about spiritists, uh, which is more of an even more general term, which includes, you know, uh, all the different, you know, witches, sorcerers, diviners, uh, people who cast spells, even people who practice sacrifices to uh, other gods. And so what it comes down to is, I mean, in, especially in those two places, Leviticus 20 and Deuteronomy 18, just the practice of speaking to the dead and the practice of uh, speaking to mediums or going through mediums or even being a medium is uh, expressly condemned. I mean, there's really no way around it. And to your question, is a person speaking to a demon? Um, I would tend to say yes. I think there's one example in the Bible where we see somebody actually speaking to uh, somebody who has passed away. I would say that's the exception. But as you know, right, exceptions strengthen rules. And so, so for example, that, that story is found in 1 Samuel 28, where the prophet Samuel is dead, and then King Saul goes to a medium and asks uh, to speak to Samuel, and somehow he does. And so a lot of people ask, well, was that actually Samuel? So my take on it is that God allowed Samuel uh, to be somehow spoken to and conjured up. But I think that that is, as it's the only example we have in the Bible, it, it was it was an example, like, it was an exception, and that God used that even more to solidify Saul's condemnation for having sought it out. Um, however, I would say this, that Luke chapter 16, I'm going to check that to make sure I got the chapter right. I'm pretty sure I do. Uh, Luke 16, which talks about um, the rich man and Lazarus, it talks about how there is, uh, you know, the, the rich man asked uh, that someone would be sent uh, from 
well, someone at all would be sent to his father and his brothers. But clearly that, that also communicates the fact that I'm sure he would have rather gone, right? And been like, hey, I've been in hell. It's not great. And you shouldn't go there. But clearly he's not allowed to leave the place of torment where he's at. Uh, nor is, um, says that this rich, or sorry, Lazarus, right? The righteous poor man was not able to cross over the chasm between Abraham's bosom, which was the place of waiting for redemption before Jesus came, uh, over into the place where, uh, place Hades, the place of torment, or what we call hell, where this man was at. So what that means is that those who are in hell, um, they don't they don't get to move around and talk uh, to people here on earth. They don't. Uh, so, and, and even those who are in heaven, I, I don't believe that they're going to be able to come and communicate with us here on earth uh, in that way. I agree. That's, yeah. I, it's all evilness. But I, and then, kind of sad, I think my husband's evil, and I'm in a bad, bad, bad situation. And um, Well, let me pray for you. Pray for yeah, me, absolutely. Pray for I, me. I, I will say one last thought on this, and then I'm going to pray for you. And that is that, related to this, I, I had someone ask me, just last week, um, what is the, you know, where are demons located? Are demons located in hell? And I would say biblically, it would seem that demons actually uh, have their location, yeah, obviously in the spiritual realm, but they seem to do their work on earth. Uh, for example, in Job chapter 1, uh, God says to Job, or sorry, God, you know, Satan presents himself before God and God says, where have you been? And he says, I've been roaming the earth to and fro. And so what that means, like when we're talking about mediums and diviners, like your husband is into, that I would say yes. You know, when, when he's speaking to what he believes to be deceased people, these are actually demons. And in that case, I mean, this is extremely uh, dangerous spiritually what he's getting himself into. So uh, let me pray for you. Oh, Desiree, I seem to be losing you, but I'm going to go ahead and pray for you. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray for Desiree, and I pray for other people, um, Lord, who, who relate to this conversation. Maybe they have family members, or maybe they themselves have been uh, kind of delving into uh, mediums or the occult, things that are related to uh, communicating with the dead or or uh, kind of black arts. So, Lord, I pray for uh, people doing that, Lord, that you would open their eyes to see the spiritual reality behind these things, but to also understand uh, the biblical truths about them that give us a lot of insight into what they're actually dealing with, which is actually demonic powers. Uh, Lord, I pray that people would turn from these things. I pray specifically for Desiree. Lord, I know that your power is greater than the power of any uh, demon. And so I pray, Lord, that Desiree would rest in knowing that, that you are in her, and therefore she is uh, strong and she is protected and she doesn't need to uh, fear. But Lord, I pray that uh, not only would you protect her, but I pray for her husband, Lord, that you would um, pull him out of this, that he, he might see the error of this, the danger of it, and what he's bringing into his home. So Lord, we just pray for um, spiritual cleansing of that home. And we ask for your light to shine in that darkness. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Desiree, for that call. And definitely concerned about that issue. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. 
The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Uh, we've got one open line, so it's a good time to get on the air if you'd like to uh, call in with your question or your prayer request. Let's go to Matthew calling from Tennessee. Hey, Matthew, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, I've listened to you to a, for quite a while, Pastor, and uh, I never thought I'd be calling. I've had people heard conversations before that were similar to mine, but I'm just, uh, I'll get right with it. About 10 years ago, I was, uh, I believed, I had thought I got saved. I was listening to a preacher on the radio, and I turned from uh I was doing. Uh, it was an evangelist, you know, message. It was, I was scared of going to hell. I was raised in church. I, uh, I've, I know a lot of people that have an experience that's not similar to mine, you know, when they said they felt God knocking on their heart and they felt this thing and it's real experience. I really haven't had a feeling experience like that. And I went back to some of the sin that I was doing and uh, some of the things I'd done, I'm afraid I even, you know, I never invited demons into my life or anything like that, but I was around things that were definitely demonic. I was raised to know what that was. I know that, and I still saw things that I shouldn't have been seeing, and I just feel like I've hardened my heart and seared my conscience or something to where I can't be saved or God's turned his face from me, and I'm just going through an absolute depression over this horrible, horrible depression. It just happened all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew, I'll tell you this: the fact that you care this much tells me that you're not um, you're not beyond hope, and I hope that you understand that. Um, you know, it's really here's the, here's what the the Word of God says: it says that God um, gives grace to the humble, right? That He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the fact that you care this much about it shows me that uh, perhaps God has let you get to this place so that uh, truly you would get to that point of humility so that you could receive his grace. Um, you know, maybe you did harden your heart at one time. I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you this. Here's the other thing. Um, so people have asked, can you lose your salvation? Uh, I think that's kind of the wrong way to phrase the question. I don't really like the question. So I think we should uh, maybe phrase it in more biblical ways. Let's put it this way. Uh, you didn't earn your salvation, right? Jesus earned it for you. So how are you going to unearn it? Well, you can't. I never raised to believe that. I never believed you could ever, you know, lose your salvation. I just, there's certain verses that if you take them a certain way, you know, uh, you probably know them better than me right now that can make you feel that way or well, certainly, yes. There are, there are some very uh, stern warnings, and, uh, and right. we should take those very seriously. But my point is this, that the fruit of, of a person, uh, or let's see, the, the litmus test of a person who's not long gone or not too far gone is that they actually care, right? Because uh, a pers the, the problem, the more dangerous position to be in is uh, if you were to call me today or I don't even think you would call me in the first place, right? Like, because uh, it's it's the prideful person. It's the hardened heart. Uh, but the very fact that you're in this, this place where you're this uh, distraught over it shows me that there's hope for you, Matthew. And I hope that you uh, that you take heart in knowing that. But I, I don't want you to stop there. I don't want you to think that you're good just because you feel bad. Because here's the thing. You remember that uh, 
There were two people who denied Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, right? Peter denied Jesus, and um, and so did Judas. They both denied Jesus. Exactly what I'm going through right now is the Peter and Judas saying, who am I, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, maybe that's yet to be determined, right? Because here, think about how they responded. Uh, Peter responded by um, not giving up on everything, right? So he he let Jesus come and speak to him, and he responded, and Jesus spoke to him, and Jesus restored him. But um, Judas, on the other hand, did feel really bad. Like, genuinely, I think he realized he had done some wrong things. Um, but he went out, and in his despair, rather than turning to Jesus and seeking forgiveness and redemption, he went out, and he unfortunately committed suicide. Um, and I... I say maybe it's uh, yet to be seen, you know, which of those you will be. And, and really, here's all it depends on, Matthew. Will you turn to Jesus for forgiveness and restoration in this situation? Or will you turn away from Jesus and um, just sink in de despair and hopelessness? Now, I certainly hope it'll be the first because uh, I'll tell you, look at the longevity or, or look at the, the big picture of what happened with those two men. Uh, clearly with Judas, it's a much shorter story. But look with Peter. He be, he is restored, and then he goes on to be used by God in great ways and um, and and be just, you know, one of the great apostles. And so I, I just want to say uh, I'm so glad that you're calling in. I'm so glad that you're in this place. It shows me that the, God is working in your life, that he's pursuing you, and that you're you're responding or you're at least starting to respond. I just so, want to tell you, Pastor Ross, as I've been, I mean, I've been faithful in church this whole time through all this, too, and I was a meth addict before this, and I I, uh, I went back so many times, but it wasn't the same way. I had a absent father that I, he was the reason that I did it, to be around him a lot, you know, try to have a relationship, and so when I was tempted, I did it. It wasn't like a, I'm at home. Oh, I want some drugs again. I went back. It wasn't ever like that. I felt a temptation so many times, and uh, I was in church while this all was happening. And I feel like this all stemmed from a feeling of I've grieved the Holy Spirit to the point of this, or I wasn't saved to begin with, or you wouldn't do this. And all of my Christian friends. I mean, I've been a Sunday school teacher since then, which I know that doesn't gain your salvation. I'm just. Uh, I really wanted to seek God through this whole time and do what he wanted, but I've struggled so much with sin, and uh, all my Christian counsel that I've asked 10, 15 people, nobody thought I wasn't saved. Everybody thought this was all from, say, you know, the, the devil. It's been a year since I've done any drugs, and, uh, you know, I've just, I've struggled with some other sins since then, but I just wanted to tell you that. I don't know if that changes anything about how you feel about my situation or not, or what yeah. I prayed three four times a day i went wednesday night i had people lay hands on me and i just don't feel this peace that people talk about i never felt that you know well let me like let me put it this way to you feeling. two things one of them is this matthew don't you think that uh, faith is when we act even when we don't feel right so i mean that's what hebrews 11 says faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen now let's just take that word seen and let's uh, apply other senses to it, right? Because that's not our only sense. Um, it's, you're obviously talking about the sense of you, you have an expectation that you'd feel a sense of peace. But isn't this faith, like, right? When we say that I'm going to believe that this is true, 
based on the Word of God, not based on any uh, subjective feeling that I might have. And I, I just want to encourage you to have that kind of faith that puts your faith not in uh, feelings that you have, but puts your faith in the Word of God and what it says about you and what it says about what Jesus did for you and the effects of that in your life. Um, the other other thing I want you to know is this. Um, you know, First John has a lot to say about um, believers who sin. In fact, it was written, uh, it says it's written for that purpose. He says, I'm writing you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. And then he goes on, you know, he says, he talks about those who practice sin. It's a really good word for it because it helps us uh, see the difference between uh, those who, you know, do sin. Um, like, let's put it this way, it, between two kinds of creatures, right? A creature who is a, a believer and who still struggles with sin and a person who's not a believer at all. And, uh, and they do sin as if it's, um, you know, they practice it like somebody practices the guitar or somebody practices the piano or their golf swing, right? You practice things that you want to get better at. That's the idea there. Um, you know, you could compare it to like two different animals, a pig and a sheep, right? Because Second Corinthians 5 tells us that in Christ we're a new creation. And so a pig and a sheep might both fall into a, into a pit of mud. The difference is that the sheep isn't out there looking for pits of mud to fall into. Um, and when they fall into a pit of mud, they aren't overjoyed by it. Whereas the, uh, the pig, I mean, that's what they live for. They go to bed at night thinking about how they're going to do it in the morning. They, you know, they've got a five-year plan, which includes uh, you know, jumping in a pit of mud every single day, right? So there's a fundamental difference there. And Matthew, um, I really want to encourage you that it sounds to me like you're a believer, um, of course, though, I, I, I can't be the ultimate judge of that. Only God can know that. I'll leave you with just this quick thought. I, I've been teaching through James just starting uh, yesterday at our church uh, for our new series that we're doing uh, just verse by verse through the book of James. And, you know, James talks in James 1, 19 through 27 about being a doer of the word. And he says how to become a doer of the word. And one of the things he says is you become a doer of the word by putting away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and then receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So that implies two things, humility on the one hand and, uh, and an active effort to put away filthiness and, and things like that from your life. And then he talks about what true a religion is, religion that is pure and undefiled before God. He says it has three aspects. Uh, one is bridling your tongue. The next is caring for the weakest. But then the third, and maybe this is the most applicable to you, is that it, it is to keep yourself unstained for the, from the world. So it includes an aspect of personal holiness. Um, so Matthew, I, uh, I don't know if you're still here with me or if you dropped. Okay, there you are. Great. Um, Matthew, yeah, so... Um, I'll just leave you with those thoughts. We're going to go to break right now, um, but I appreciate your... Why don't I go ahead and pray for you as we yes, lead up please, into our break? Yes, please, Pastor. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for Matthew. I thank you for his desire to be free from drugs and for his desire to have a, a rich, deep relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would bless him. I pray that you would, uh, Lord, help him to really stand in the freedom that you've given him 
in Jesus, uh, freedom from drugs and freedom from this constant uh, falling backwards into sin. Lord, would you help him to be strong and to, um, to continue moving forward in the way that you want him to go. So Lord, please strengthen him in his inner man uh, for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for calling in, Matthew. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got a couple callers on the line. If you would please stick with us through the break. And we've got one open line. So give us a call at 303-690-3000, and we'll get you on the air right after this break. Again, you're listening to Calvary Live, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We are just now back from our break. Uh, Looks like we've got a call. Let's go to Amanda in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just had a question, something I've kind of been struggling with a lot. Um, I was, excuse me, I was um, raised um, Southern Baptist, and um, um, and before that, um, Free Will Baptist, where they taught a lot of legalism and stuff. And um, I recently heard about Calvinism and um, the fact that everyone is either predestined or not, like God chose them. Um, anyway, um, what that, um, how that kind of affects me is I have been doing a lot of, you know, kind of research on it, and a lot of Baptists are Calvinists or have Calvinism views. Um, so I went through a really long custody battle. I was unequally yoked, and the marriage was horrible, absolutely horrible. And um, we had a, and he's out of state, and um, something happened. It's a long story, but my boys, my two, um, my six and my three year old, are currently out of state in Vermont. So, um, and um, one reason why I wanted them here um, in Colorado with me um, was because, you know, um, my ex-husband is, you know, pretty much an atheist. He, you know, my boys will not be exposed to any type of religion or anything like that. And, you know, my the number one reason I wanted them here with me was because I could give them that biblical foundation. Um, I have a daughter that's here with me, and, you know, we have her in a private Christian school, and, you know, we go to a wonderful church, and so, you know, she has that foundation, and I wanted that so bad for my boys, so bad. And um, I have never prayed so hard in my life. I mean, just fasted, just, you know, everything. I mean, my daughter and I created, like, these little prayer jars, and we just put our all into them to get the boys back. And, um, 
And, um, you know, obviously the judge ruled um, that the boys are better off in Vermont. And I do get, um, you know, some, you know, I get summers and stuff like that. But, you know, that's not enough time to really give them, you know, exposure, you know, to Christ. And I do uh, when I, you know, when I have them. But, I mean, do you think that, you know, they're just, you know, I mean, you know, if they grow up not really having that foundation, it's so much harder in your adult life and stuff to, you know, expose somebody to Christ and to really, you know, to have them lead that kind of life. And so I was just wondering, you know, does, you know, am I making sense? Like, could that be that, like, Christ just hasn't chosen my boys? And I just can't imagine a heaven without them. Yeah. No, I mean, that's very hard. And um, so a couple things um, that you've brought up. Uh, you mentioned predestination. Clearly, I mean, as you know, predestination, the, even the word predestination is used in the Bible. Um, I mean, I, I know of two times just off the top of my head, right? Ephesians chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8. Um, there could be others, but those are the ones that come directly to mind. And so... Um, you know, I think it's a bit silly sometimes when uh, you hear these Bible teachers who will say, you know, when the, when it says predestined, it doesn't really mean predestined. It means this or that. Um, I mean, clearly, if it says predestination, it actually means predestination. I mean, uh, word studies have been done on that. But here's, um, you know, the other thing you bring up is like, Clearly, there's a there's a ton of um, you know study and evidence that's shown that the way that a person grows up affects the choices they make as far as belief, right? Not only the family they grow up in, um, the family situation they grow up in, but of course the culture that they grow up in. You know, clearly there are fewer um, you know believers in you know, countries that don't allow the gospel to be preached than there are in other countries. And so it's just a really hard and cold, in my opinion, uh, view on that is to say, okay, I guess God hasn't chosen them. The other, um, the other thing we got to keep in mind is this, that God, uh, God's choosing of people is kind of something we can't really do anything about. But on the other hand, there are plenty of things that we can do. One of the most interesting things is that Paul the Apostle, in one of the great sections about the topic of predestination, right, which is, um, or God's choice, let's put it that way, as opposed to using the word predestination, which is Romans chapters 9, verses 11, where he talks about God's choice in choosing Israel. Um, Paul says there that I pray for them that they would be saved. And that's really interesting, right? So Paul, on the one hand, believes in predestination. He talked about it in Romans chapter 8, right before he started Romans chapter 9. And then he says right there at the beginning of Romans 9, um, you know, God has chosen Israel over other nations to be his special people. And yet, um, God, he, Paul says, I pray for them that they will be saved. You know, just a really cold fatalistic view would say, hey, if, if, uh, they're not saved, then I guess God hasn't chosen them, and therefore what? why would I waste my time praying for them that they would be saved? So clearly Paul believes that there are things that we can do. In other words, we don't know what God's sovereign choice is, and therefore we want to do everything that we can do, everything that depends on us. 
And one of the great metaphors that's been used is that of a um, a parade, right? So if let's say, for example, you're watching the Macy's parade in New York City. And now if you're on the ground, you're going to see each float come by one at a time. And it's going to seem like, you know, that that'll be your perspective on it. And you're going to you're going to look down the street and you're going to be able to see some distance away and you're going to look down the other side and you're going to be able to see some distance in the other direction. Um, but you're definitely not going to be able to see the whole thing at once, right? Because uh, because of your perspective, you'll see each event as it passes you. And that's almost a picture of life, right? Like we see each event as it passes us. But now imagine if you're in the Goodyear blimp, you can actually see the entire uh, parade at the same time. And you kind of already know everything that's going to happen because of your perspective. And um, now clearly that's not a perfect metaphor, right? There, there, I'm sure there are flaws in that metaphor, but I think it does start to help us see some of the point there, which is this. I, I guess I would just give it to you in this way. I, I have no idea whether your boys are chosen or not, but I would tell you to do what Paul does and say and pray for them to be saved and do everything that depends on you that they would be saved. Paul, as a person who believed in God's sovereign choice and believed in predestination, was also a missionary, right? Like who who put himself at physical risk, at financial setback in order to go and preach the gospel so that other people might hear and be saved. And um, and I would just encourage you to have that same attitude with your boys. Do everything possible that depends on you, that they might hear the gospel and uh, and be shaped uh, by you know, good, healthy Christian community, and uh, that they would be saved. Right, so. that kind of has been really up, up and down. I just can't, you know, imagine a loving God who, you know, doesn't, who, you know, picks and chooses who comes, who he, you know, who goes to heaven and who goes to hell with the Calvinism and stuff. And, it, and the Calvinism does make a lot of sense. I just, you know, it just really makes me, it just seems like, you know, I mean, I always have had issues about, you know, accepting God's love. I've always seen him as an angry, punishing God, and that's stuff that I am working with, working on, you know, with, um, somebody through the church, but, you know, and um, I just can't see, you know, why God would not want my my two boys, you know, and those boys are my world, and, you know, I know we have free will, I know they will, they have free will as well, you know, but um, I guess that's what it boils down to is, you know, they can be exposed, but it's free will. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this, it, this is another thing that comes about uh, from reading Romans 9, 10, and 11, is that there is this, that's, that's actually really nice that Romans 9 and Romans 10 are right next to each other because Romans 10 is an important counterbalance to the truths which are in Romans 9. There are two sides of the same coin. And what he says there in Romans 9 and 10 is that God chooses, but God's choice is not arbitrary. Um, and that's really important. It isn't kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo type of thing. It isn't just kind of like I pick you and I don't pick you. Um, you know, the issue with Calvinism is that, um, and, and personally, I don't think Calvinism is a bad word, but I, I will just tell you this, that some of the it, some of the ways that it's applied, let's put it this way, can sometimes come across, um, I, I would say that it becomes like a clinical approach to the scriptures that take out 
uh, some of the heart of God which is implicit in the scripture. And so we want to remember uh, not to do that, right? And I, and I think that Paul the Apostle himself didn't do that. So um, it sounds to me like you're, you're on the right track. Um, if you'd like, we could pray for your boys and for you. Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, and I, I do everything. I plant a seed, and my six-year-old asks a lot of questions about God. You know, does does God make trees? Does God make cars? You know, just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I seem to have lost you. Well, let's pray for you, Amanda, and for your boys. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray for Amanda. I pray for her as she struggles with um, kind of reconciling some of these things that your Word says about your love and also about your sovereign choice would help her to uh, navigate those things um, and help her to remember the overarching theme of your love and, and the fact that you pursue us and the fact that you are a loving God. Lord, I pray for her boys, um, like Paul the Apostle, Lord, I pray that they would be saved. And I pray that uh, Amanda would plant those seeds and water them and that she would be diligent in doing that, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, cause growth to happen. Uh, in their lives and that they would know you and be saved. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Amanda. Thank you for calling in. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to line two where we've got Eileen in Maryland. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to the program. Oh, yes. Hi, Pastor. Thank you for taking our call. Um, my uh, stepdaughter had passed away two years ago today. Today is our anniversary. And the oh, family is still grieving, and some of them are having more hard time. My daughter, my uh, husband, and her her mom, and uh, sometimes she has two brothers also. So if you could, three brothers, sorry. <laughs> so they're they're they have uh, sometimes they have a lot of problems dealing with it. So, um, and it's just kind of strange that I, we went to the cemetery today and there was a child that had passed away. But you know how you look at some different grave sites and it was a three-year-old. Mm. I don't even know the family, but I know God knows who it is. And um, if we could just pray for all of them, that would be really appreciated. Yeah, let's do that. Heavenly Father, I pray for Eileen and her family and we pray for this other uh, family, uh, but but in general too, we pray for families who have lost children um, before their their time. You know what we think should have come. Um, Lord, would you help us that we would have faith in the midst of these things to be able to say honestly, Lord, these things are really hard. It's really hard for us to understand, but we we do rest in your word and we walk by faith, not by sight. We we trust in your character. We trust, uh, Lord, that not only are you good, but, Lord, you, you truly uh, know what is best. And, and Lord, I pray for um, this, that not only would you help them to come to terms with what's happened, but, Lord, that you would be with them to comfort them. Um, I know that maybe that's what they need most. And so, Lord, your word does say that you comfort uh, those who are in need, those who are uh, suffering. And, um, and Lord, so I pray that you would be with them by your spirit, who you yourself called the comforter, who you would send to us. Lord, would you be with them by your spirit, the comforter? And Lord, would you comfort them in their affliction, uh, Lord, that they might also be able to comfort others who are also suffering affliction. Uh, Lord, be with them. Give them just the grace they need to get through today and, uh, and through the days that come forward. 
Um, and Lord, I pray that they would rest and hope all the more diligently in the hope of the gospel uh, as they have that treasure in heaven, this little, uh, this little girl who they lost, uh, stepdaughter, Lord, I, I pray that as that treasure of theirs is in heaven, that their hearts would be all the more longing for heaven as well. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. I appreciate that. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you. Take care. And thank you for your work. Oh, thanks. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Uh, looks like we've got all full lines, but you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, who is Lynn in Maryland. Hi, Lynn. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, yeah, I was just calling because I just kind of wanted to find out. I mean, like, I've been married 20 years, and I um, recently, during the 20-year course of my marriage, um, my husband, um, although a confessed Christian and uh, also um, ministering and teaching uh, on a small scale in the church, um, has been off and on, like, going to dating websites, and he just started disrespecting me, um, talking to me any kind of way, humiliating me in front of his coworkers, and talking about me really badly to his coworkers. And it ended up where I just... I couldn't take it anymore, and I had to leave. And since I've left, he has just gotten just totally worse. He was not interested in any counseling or anything like that. He's just been um, um, going out, posting his picture. My child found his pictures out on various dating websites. And, I mean, we've been gone for like four months. We're still married. He refuses to file for divorce continues to profess that he's a Christian and has told me that he does not want any parts of, you know, he wants to move on with his life, that he is, um, he's, he's, he doesn't care anymore, and he's just, you know, looking at all kinds of perverted videos and porno and just, just, I mean, just completely, just yeah. very, very, you know, so I'm just wondering, in a situation like that, I mean, what, how does the word address that when the other spouse who you've been with all those years has, you know, been pretty much unfaithful throughout, but just it just got escalated after you left? And, um, you know, how does God feel about that? And you know, what is it? And I mean, it's just devastating to the entire family, to the to the children, to me, who've been there for 20 years, and um, it's just totally awful um, just having to start all over and dealing with a person that just does not care. It's humiliating. You know, I mean, if he would just file for divorce, he won't file for divorce. Um, he's just, you know, he's just, uh, he just doesn't care. So can I ask you a question there? Does he... Um are you, are you involved in a church together? Is this because here's what I would say needs to happen immediately is that you need to uh, take this to your church, uh, your church leadership. And um, he was preaching. He was getting up doing Bible study. And then he would go into his job and talk to uh, the women about sex and 
um, say any, any inappropriate things. Uh, Lynn, did you hear my, my question? I was asking if you're involved in a church of, of some kind. No. Oh, I've been not. going to a church um, since the breakup. I've been going to a church, but I haven't joined. It's only been four months. Okay. Yeah, I think it would be really important to take this. Does he go to church? What'd you say? Does he go to church? Uh, I believe, yeah, he does go to church. But, I mean, so, I don't go to so, the I mean, same this, place he goes to. That's fine. I, I would say that the place where he goes, I mean, I think this is an issue. Um, this isn't just to uh, get him straightened out. This is for his own spiritual health right like he's doing things that are destroying his soul and so uh, I'm sure that if his church leadership knew about this that they would want to address it with him because what he's doing is uh, is detrimental to him and uh, and clearly it's detrimental to his family which is is you so um, I mean that would be step number one go and talk to the church leadership explain to them the situation that you're living separated that you have found um, pictures of him on dating websites that it's very clear what's going on even the preaching thing and, and the talk afterwards that you mentioned I mean that would be step number one go and talk to the leadership at the church that he is attending um, now you asked me a question um, which was how does God feel about these things I mean obviously God is extremely grieved by what he's doing this is just you know just prideful sinful uh, behavior it's awful um, I, I think that this falls under you know some I think you could probably make an argument that this falls under the category of what first Corinthians 7 calls of abandonment um, so but you know the last thing I really want to do is just empower you to to divorce him the what I would prefer that you do is do this is um, go and talk to the leadership of his church and and let's start there with having them address him with one person and then maybe two people and then maybe bringing it before the whole church kind of you know all on Matthew 18 and church discipline style and if he is willing to and that the purpose of that by the way is to help a person see because right we can get in our own kind of thought where we think that everything we do is totally right and fine and sometimes we need to be like confronted with the fact that, yeah, actually it's not fine. And if other people knew about it, uh, they would not think it's fine. And the more, you know, and then when like the whole church agrees and says, uh, yeah, actually that's not okay. Um, that's a big wake up call for a lot of people sometimes. And so, um, that's the advice the Bible gives us. I would encourage you to begin by doing that, uh, approaching their leadership and having them begin, uh, approaching him. Uh, if, you know, he's completely unrepentant and he does essentially abandon you, you know, then I think that you can start thinking about next steps after that. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. Can you hear me? I can hear you right now. Okay, because what I wanted to tell you was that he frequents the church, but he's not a member there. So I don't even know that the pastor knows him. So although that's a great idea, if he was a member, he's not a member. He just goes, and just like you go to a random church and you visit and you go on a regular basis to that church, that's what he does. 
So I don't I don't know that the pastor even knows his name. He's just another face that shows up at church on Sunday. Well, let's put it this way. I have plenty of people who do that at my church um, who I, I may not know their name. I might, uh, you know, see their face from time to time. But here's the thing. If, if, I, if I knew that there was somebody attending my church who was in a situation like this, I would probably figure out how to contact them, especially if you give them contact information, right? I'm sure you could give them his phone number, a way to contact him and say, hey, you know, uh, clearly he's, a vo he's wanting to remain in autonomy in order to persist in this condition. Um, but hey, I'm going to let you go now, Lynn, um, but let me end by praying for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Lynn, and I pray that as she turns to this church uh, where her husband's attending to get them uh, to help her, Lord, I pray that they would be receptive to this idea. I pray that they would understand the seriousness of the situation. And Lord, my ultimate desire, and, and I'm sure Lynn's, and I hope it's, uh, in, we hope that our desire is in line with yours, Lord, uh, is for the restoration of this family and the restoration of this man uh, to you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Lynn. Thank you for calling in. Let's go to our last caller, Anthony in Pueblo, Colorado. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Katie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I, uh, I just wanted to call in and give some insight about Amanda's call. She called up asking about Calvinism and uh, predestination. Okay. And uh, I, was, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine because he, too, believes in predestination. And uh, it, it led me to the Great Banquet in Luke fourteen fifteen through 24. And I just wanted to encourage Amanda to go and read that. Um, but I personally believe that um, not that we're hand-chosen. Well, we are hand-chosen by God, but also when it says that we're predestined, that it just means that he foreknew, that he knew everybody that would come to Christ. And that um, in Second Peter, uh, that it's not his will that anybody should perish. And that, and that ultimately God loves her kids more than she loves her kids. So I just want to call and encourage her on that. And, um, and Thanks, yeah. Anthony. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's probably a little bit more nuance to it than that. And like you said, uh, you know, your friend believes in predestination. I would say the Apostle Paul also believed in predestination. I believe in predestination because right, it's in the Bible. Right. Um, and, and I do think that predestination is not the same thing as foreknowledge because foreknowledge is is uh, a different term, and it's used there in the Bible. And the idea of uh, foreknowing, right? Here, here's the difficulty with that, is that God has uh, foreknown every single person. And so when it talks about God foreknowing people, it's speaking of, um, it's actually tied in with the idea of predestination. So one thought on that, right, is the one which you express, is very common uh, explanation for it, but the the other side of that coin is that a lot of uh, you know literary critics would actually look at that and they would say, and when I say critics, I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean people who study the scriptures from a literal perspective, right? Meaning they study the original languages. What they would say is that the word foreknowledge should maybe be understood as foreloved. In other words, that God has loved you, kind of like He says about the uh, um, prophets before they were even born, right? Because He knew before all of time, that um, before he created the earth, right? That's what Ephesians 1 says, that he would, um, that he would, that he had chosen you and you would be his and that uh, he would see you through from beginning to end. And, and, and I would just tell you this, Anthony, I, I think that uh, your position uh, comes from 
See, see, here's the thing, right? So let's say a Calvinist, pure Calvinist, right? Position comes from a position of what? What? What are they? Where? What is it that they want to get out of it? Well, I'll tell you what they want to get out of it. They want to honor the scriptures. They want to let the scriptures speak for themselves. Now, where? Where is your position coming from? You also want to let the scriptures speak. However, you also want to preserve the 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 fact that the Bible seems to exemplify the fact that we do indeed have choices and our choices do in fact matter. Right. Um, and so what my point is that both of these are coming from a heart that wants to get at the root of what the Bible says, but also uh, your position is coming from a very compassionate place. Like what Amanda talked about was that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, a, a, a view of we call it soteriology, which means study of salvation, a view of salvation that comes from a, um, you know, focus on God's sovereign choice can sometimes be worked out in a very uh, cold and unfeeling way. And, um, and it can hurt a lot of people. Right. Now, now here's what I want to do. And, and I think that you would agree with me. So tell me if you don't, but, um, I want to believe what the Bible says, which means when the Bible teaches predestination, do I believe in it? Absolutely. Right. When the Bible teaches human choice and that my choices actually matter and they do make a difference, I want to believe that too. And I, I don't believe I have to choose between the two. I believe that I can believe both of those things fully at the same time. So thank you for your call, Anthony, and I appreciate your heart and wanting to reach out to Amanda. Uh, God bless you. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. Tune in every weekday for uh, Calvary Live. God bless you. I'll be with you next week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.